Welcome to the Dell Golf Podcast. My name is David Adele, and let's sit down at the workbench and talk about how we can play our best golf. Hey, welcome to the Dell Podcast. I have the luxury of hanging out with one of my favorites, local resident here in Austin, PGA Tour player, soon-to-be Champions Tour player, good buddy, Rich Beam. Winner of the 1999 Kemper Open, 2002 International, and major champion at the 2002 PGA Championship. Welcome, Rich. Thank you, Dave. You got a lot of cool stuff on your desk. <laughs> and my mom's yeah. got a sign that on her desk is a, the, a clean desk is a sign of a blank mind. Well, that ain't you, Parts. <laughs> no, that's, I got all kinds of stuff here. It's a catch-all for everything. Um, so I want to talk about putting today with you. You're uh, obviously you're a journeyman. You've been on the PGA Tour forever, and now you know, kind of a changing career. You become a you know prominent sportscaster, and I think one of the best out there. And I'm not just saying that to kiss your ass, but um, <laughs> I keep saying I, it. Though I, I, think I love you, it. <laughs> I think you, you're aw- you're awesome out there. But you know, what have you come to learn or understand about your putting over these years? Um, yeah, that's actually interesting because I've been going through quite a bit of changes and I, I, I shouldn't say changes, but it, that's the truth. I mean, I've experimented with so many different things for so long that part of me has, has gotten lost. I vaguely remember what it was like to be a kid and going out there to the putting green and just taking one ball and knocking it in and keep trying it until knocking it in. And there wasn't a single thought about how. It was just how many. And so I've actually digressed from that probably as much as you can. And for me, it's kind of sad because every time I'm out there, I put value on it, right? And it's hard to putt well and even harder to putt great when you're putting a value on it all. And And so I'm trying to get back to the point where it doesn't have a value it doesn't mean it, it if it goes in great and if it doesn't that's great too it doesn't matter and so that is probably that's probably the most difficult thing to do i think when you get to to my age i'm 49 almost 50 50 in one week from from today and knowing full well that i've got to go out there on the champion store and pretty much you got to put well and so I'm kind of look. I'm looking at it as a challenge. There's no doubt about it. But I'm also looking at the transition from from trying to get out there, and I don't want to say compete because I haven't competed on the PGA Tour in many years. Although I've played in some tournaments, I've actually had some pretty good. You know, last in Houston last year, when funny enough, I finished fourth in putting. I was, you know, with 27 holes ago, I was within five of the lead. You know, and you can't ask for much more than that from a guy. So I'm I'm slowly but surely getting back there, but I think that also the fact that I'm going to be able to play against guys my age, and I can probably get on some golf courses where I'm not uh, Monica selling selling it grunting yeah. with my second shot to get it home in two. I'm looking forward to that because I think that should take away some of the pressure of feeling like you have to putt well all the time. Because I think that you know when you go out to the PGA Championship like I do each year, it gets longer and longer, and the 
and it puts a premium on putting because I'm not going to hit it that close with a five iron. Yeah, what you did bad. last year at Bethpage Black was yeah. insane. I mean, for a guy that doesn't play full time, and you went out there, and apart from Saturday, you were you were right in the mix. Yeah, I mean, it was, and Saturday was just one of those things where I had so many things going on outside of golf that I just I was spent. It was, <laughs> I mean, it was amazing for somebody at forty, almost forty nine, you know, to do what you did. So what was the big inspiration for you, you know, as a golfer with putting? Did you have a putting coach? Was it just all dig it out of the dirt? I know your dad was a huge influence in your life in golf. And did he provide insight or what were your basics? What were your, what were your, when you were younger and when you were. The basics were uh, for me and what dad, you know, always taught me. It goes back to the swing, you know. As a kid, he said, keep your elbows as close together during the swing as possible, and you're not going to hit it very crooked. And I think that's what helped me, you know, immensely through the years. And so I probably did that for a long time as a kid, just because it's natural. You just, as a, you know, you get up there. And I think we, I remember in college, we would always try and see who had the shortest putter each and every week. You know, you cut it down to 32 inches and you're out there and you didn't know any better. You're just out there screwing around, uh, trying it. But I think the one thing that dad instilled in me is that, you know, never start searching and you, and you need to go out there and you need to work at it. You need to work three footers to five footers and, and try and hit and try and work on those every day. But, but beyond that, you know, it's all imagination. Use your imagination when you're on the putting green. Don't get too wrapped up in mechanics. And so I think that's why a part of me, I never really get wrapped up in mechanics as much as I always experiment with mechanics is going back to my first thought is that I'm not afraid to try it. And, but I'm also, I don't stick with things very long either. I think that's also what dad wanted me to do. He didn't, he, he didn't want you to get tied into one certain way of doing it because there's a thousand ways of doing it. And if one's not working in the middle of a round, you've got to make a change. And so you can't be afraid in the middle of a round to go from conventional to cross-handed. If you're in contention, you got to do whatever it takes to get the ball in the hole Mm -hmm. and nobody, you can't draw pictures. So I think that's the one thing that dad taught me more than anything else is listen, if it's not working, don't try to work at it on the golf course, do something else, figure out a way to get in the hole. And and that's the one thing that, uh, that I always try to do. What are your strengths in, in your putting and what are your weaknesses, would you say? Uh, you know, it used to be... And it doesn't have to be mechanical. It can be uh, Yeah, I, I, think that, I think that because I practiced so much as a kid, and I, th- I always thought that, you know, from inside of about five feet, I was always pretty solid. I was never afraid to make those. I always went in there with pretty good speed. And, and that's one of the things I'm really concentrating on these days is getting out there and practicing a lot and just standing there in a circle, just taking a circle and just making them and not putting tees in the ground, not doing anything truly, you know, specific, but just walking around the hole from four to five feet and just you know, sitting there for 20, 30 minutes, making them. Um, you know, I, I always felt like I, I never putted extremely well outside of about 10 to 15 feet. I just never felt like I was, I never made a lot. You look at a guy like Jordan Spieth, who seems to be like, for whatever reason, the further hole, oh, the hole is from him, it seems like it's bigger. I don't know what it yeah, is. I but- mean, that's the biggest thing that when players come to me and want help is it's 15 feet. They always say, I need to make more 15 footers, which tend to turn into 20s and 12s. And, you know, sure. so it's just that 15 foot range. It just seems like you get so many opportunities to either save your round, save a make an eagle, you know, make a birdie. And if you don't convert on those, they really start to kick you in the teeth. And so it's, what do you think was the 
was it speed that got it or is it just there was just some you missed some magic there or something there wasn't something that- at, at first i think it was speed and then you know I, I i don't know i i truly believe that some of the best putters in the game and i would i would i'm going to say tiger because i look at him as is probably one of the guys that you would always put on top of your list if you yeah. had a 10 footer to that you needed to make i don't know i just i felt like he there is an art an art to reading greens and there i don't think there's a science to reading greens you know those greens books you know they help out a little bit if you're unsure but i still think there's still an art to how you do it and i just look at tiger and he just seems to have a way that he just he sees it in his eyes and i think that whether it's through repetition through practice and you have to do it every single day if you're out there slapping it around with your buddies you got to sit there and look at the putt like you normally would if you're playing in the club championship or the PGA championship you've got to do the same every day and i think that's what tiger does i think that's why he's gotten so ingrained in it and i think that's probably what it was david is that i just i just don't feel like i ever quite learned how to read the greens that a way that my eye would see it because you got different instructors that say, don't look from behind the hole. And then you say, other guys say, well, look all the way around the hole. And so who do you believe and what's going to fit you? I mean, you're a big believer in this, you know, in, in how the swing works and how the putting stroke works to your individual body type. What about your eyes? You know, you, you, you know, I've talked a little bit about that. Yeah, no, I mean, it's all, you know, it's about perception and how you deal with, those perceptive forces, you know, whether they're physical or mental, visual, and how we're able to use those percept, you know, to make what you see real be real. That's yeah. and what you feel to be real. That's really the goal of anything a player wants is that when you hit a putt, and I think the great putters that I've talked to and been around, they have an intuitive understanding of how to roll a ball straight. And from that ability to roll a ball straight, they can read a green the way they needed to read a green. It's interesting. A friend of mine, Mark Sweeney was talking about Nicholas saying, you know, on 17, when he rolled in that putt downhill in 86 and the masters, he said it had like five inches of break and the putt really had like eight. Yeah. (laughs) But that's what he saw. Right. And he knew where he had to roll it. And it was, you know, Mark would have said that was a, you know, eight foot read. You know, he was aiming eight foot left, but Jack saw it as two inches, five inches left of the hole and he made it right. So, you know, and that's a hard thing to teach. And like you said, it's like some people have it and some people don't have it. And then there's tools to figure out how to do it better. But I think, I think the secret, maybe you're, I think you'll agree with this is the ability to roll a ball straight. If you can do that, if you can roll a ball on your intended line and then you can read greens and you can do everything differently. Yeah, because you have to start it off where, you know, because there's a certain breaking point on the putt and there's a certain spot on the green where the ball is going to start losing speed and that's where the break is going to start taking over. And so I think it's the ability to factor a lot of that in to where it becomes second nature. And I, I believe every player has it some days and doesn't have it for a lot of days. It's and you try and do the same routine day in and day out, but there still is something different though about the guys that always seemingly putt better on a consistent basis. Their stats prove it, and and stats can since be misleading. I, I completely understand that, but there's something inherently different when 
when you just you see a guy and you just know it's going to go in before he ever hits it because uh, the way that he's walking, his body language, things like that, just as a player, when you're over that putt, you're hoping it goes in, you're hoping you hit the right line, you hope you read it right and things like that. And so I think that there's some that are just, they're gifted, just like with, you know, good golf swings and things like that. But it's something that you got to work at. And I think it's, you can work at it and get the results that you you desire. And it's, uh, it's certainly possible to become a good putter if you're willing to put the time and effort in. And you've played with a smorgasbord of putters. <laughs> <laughs> that's, I, I that's mean, putting it lightly. Yeah. yeah I mean, but, but you kind of always love the bullseye. Yeah. And then you won with the STX, yep. which is a different yeah looking putter so yep. we went from complete traditional to sdx at the time which was kind of radical mm-hmm. um soft yep. face and the whole deal and how has the putter been a part of your when you're looking at a putter now what are you looking so for? interesting enough you know right now i'm looking at i'm looking at a putter that also mimics what i'm trying to do in the golf swing and that's posture my posture as i've gotten older continues to fall down uh, as we all do right but I'm, I'm really fighting hard to keep the legs straight to keep the back a little bit straighter and stand up more uh, more upright a bunch of different reasons for that biggest one's probably taking less strain off my back yeah so i've actually gone and for some reason i as much as i love the bullseye and wish that i could just go out there every single day with it i know that under pressure my my nerves aren't the same yeah and so i've found that cross-handed works for me I can get up there no matter what the circumstances are, and I can go cross-handed and feel feel totally comfortable. Based on that, you know, so I screen Rich. Rich, is his span is five inches longer in his arm span than his height, which dictates why you would want to stand taller. And the cross-hand, because he's a cover golfer and he's a lot longer in his lower arm than he is in his upper arm, when we've talked about this in my previous podcast, that's why it predisposes him to liking a cross-hand. Because it shoves your right elbow back farther and puts it puts it in a recruited position that's more natural to your body type. See, it's interesting. Standing taller, yeah, which brings your arms in closer, which pulls your elbow back and in more, which starts to match your body type, which is really interesting. It's kind of neat to hear you. It's it's like you're almost evolving, and it's it's funny because I think part of what I'm doing, David, is going to position where it feels like I can do it every single day. I mean, because mm-hmm. I've actually gone to a longer a longer putter to 36 inches, even though I don't play 36. I, mm-hmm. I do it about 35 inches because you're right. It forces my arms up. It forces me to stand up, bring my chest up instead yeah. of having my chest lower to the it ground. It allows you to give you a little arm fold. And, so and you, I tell you, you what, yeah. I, I feel as comfortable as I ever have standing over the putter right now. Than I have any even time. Even when I was putting great, David, I I truly feel like that standing over it, I've got all the tools to make it. Now it's just go ahead and turning it loose and trying to turn the brain off a little bit and not think about engaging the stroke. The stroke's already there. You're in a great position. Turn it loose. And I think that's one of the things that over time, when you play the game for so many years, a lot of players who inherently aren't great putters, they're afraid to turn it loose. And you start guiding it a little bit, and that's when you start overthinking it and trying everything under the sun, which is also fun. Yeah. <laughs> Gives well, you a bag full of everything. <laughs> so, it, so if you could go back and talk to yourself, when and where would you do it? What would you say to yourself? 
I remember it pretty vividly. I remember when I first decided to go cross-handed, it was at the Colonial one year, and I had to make me a center-shafted two-ball putter, and it showed up on Wednesday. And I put that thing in my hand, and it was just, it felt easy. And I, I missed the cut, but I remember thinking to myself, this is, this is the ticket. Just stick with this every single day. Well, at that moment in time, I'd already cycled through a bunch of different putters. And so I didn't trust myself to stick with that program and stick with the cross-handed and just continue to stand up tall because it was a 35-inch putter to stand up tall and get after it. I was influenced by too many other guys. Real quick, let me go back to the STX putter. So when I first put it in play, it was at Doral, beginning of 02, and on the driving range on Wednesday... Parnovic walks by, looks in the bag, sees the STX head cover, and he goes, when'd you put this in the bag? I said, this week. He goes, you're going to putt like a genius this week. Next week, you're not going to make anything. Went out there the week. I finished fourth solo at Doral. Next week at the Honda Classic, I hit it great. Missed all of them. I'm like, I don't know if he put it in my head or what the <laughs> hell he was doing, but he was right. <laughs> <laughs> but you ended up winning the PGA with that putter. I ended up winning the PGA, is, yeah. Because yeah. and funny enough, I was I was at the international council pines and I had that putter and a Scotty Cameron putter, and I was kind of going back between them. And I had Larry Watson out there from Scotty Cameron, who's a dear friend of mine. And I was just asking him. I said, you know, what do you think? How do you think these? And he goes, Richie, your stroke looks great. Which one feels better to you? And he says, Listen, you're not going to hurt my feelings nor Scotty's feelings. You put whatever putter in there that is going to make Rich Beam the best putter and feel most confident. So I went and put the STX in play for the international one and then two weeks later won the pga and he was the first to congratulate me when he saw me the the week after up in seattle at the old nec and he just goes you know i'm happy for you and i said larry I, thank you because i you know i have a little bit of loyalty to scotty cameron and larry at the time and he was they were great to me and and larry just gave me the confidence rich you you put with whatever you want so it was great well you've been on tour a long time you've been what are you seeing in your announcing that is what you're seeing in these new trends with the young guys and, you know, being the sage looking, you know, at these, this new PGA tour that we're seeing. I mean, I'm saying new PGA tour, the new influx of these young players. What are you seeing in, in putting out there that differentiates this younger crowd versus what you remember back in the day? Two things. One, they're, they're not afraid to try anything. They will go and find the strangest looking thing. They'll put it up their forearms, obviously, Bryce and Wise, but they'll do, I mean, they'll do anything. They're not afraid to try something if it works, but they also, they don't leave anything to chance. I mean, the putter, the putter gurus out there, you know, Phil Kenyon obviously is the biggest one in the game right now, but there's a bunch of other ones out there too. And the amount of, of apparatuses that they have to try and either show them what the golf ball is doing off the stroke and correcting it or just or trying to refine something or just embed it in their muscle memory it's just they don't leave anything to chance they spend easily as much time and effort and energy on the putting green now as they do on the driving range with the track mans and things like that these guys are not afraid to spend money because they know that you they you have to make putts to win I saw a bunch of different things out there at the PGA. Xander Schofle was probably the number one. He had something I'd never seen before. I mean, he had these lights on and it looked like it was a, 
they're on a set of a movie, the production lights, they were that bright. <laughs> and I talked to his instructor and he says, yeah, it's about a $25,000 apparatus. I'm like, holy smokes. But, you know, these guys aren't leaving anything to chance. They're going to try it all, but they want to know. They want it because the technology's out there. I mean, you can, you can do all sorts of stuff to find out what your stroke is doing, how to improve it, but also just how to maintain it more yeah. than if you're, when you're having a good putting round, they are quick to go back out to the putting green and with those apparatuses and find out what they're doing well, that way they can repeat it more often. Well, Rich, I appreciate your time. Anything you want to add before you? Uh... No, listen, what you guys are doing here, as always, David, is uh, is phenomenal. I mean, it's always a treat coming back and chatting with you because you always have something interesting and new to throw in my direction. And uh, I find it great. I Listen, I could listen to you all day long. And, and part of me likes it because I can, I can also argue with you a yeah. little bit on it, too, because no idea is ever the same on from anybody. That's why it's but what you do and the folks have to hear this, what you do is, is more on a scientific level and it's proven. It's, it's a proven fact on how things work. And so that's what I like about it. And the fact that you, you take people's measurements to figure out exactly what putter is going to fit them and why that to me is most people. I, I, I just, haven't heard that from a lot of folks, but certainly ever since I've been coming to see you, what, 12 years ago, it's yeah. always kind of been the same stuff and you're always, uh, you're always improving. So well, I appreciate always it. Fun always hanging in, with you. I'm always in the pursuit of, you know, trying to have what everybody, I want to try to have a process to where I can figure out what a person needs rather than what is being jammed down their throat or, or how they process information, how they process feels, and make it theirs. That's really my ultimate goal is, and putter's part of it. Part of it is, you know, other other factors of setup and things that we've just sure, talked about. But, sure. you know, it's it's really, I'm in the pursuit of information, just as uh, I think a lot of people out there. So, anyway, I appreciate it. Thank you for your friendship, and thank, thank you, you for the time today. You got it, my friend. Cheers, buddy. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Adele Golf Podcast. Make sure you stay tuned for more podcasts coming your way on a regular basis. Subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're interested in going through a fitting process and finding the best putter for you, head over to AdeleGolf.com. Go to the Find a Fitter tab, scroll down, and find a fitter in your state nearby. Find a putter that you know is custom fit for your best performance. That's it for today. We'll see you next time.